Cyber Synapse, the podcast that's creating connections through candid conversations about cyber issues. Sponsored by Agency, with your host, Kath Nibbs. Welcome to Cyber Synapse, and today I'm joined by Rory from Counselling Tutor. Um, one of the things I know about Rory, because he's um, one of my friends, is uh, Rory's also known as the man from YouTube which is kind of the topic we're going to be talking about today. Um, so first of all, Rory, welcome to the podcast. And why do you do what do you, what you do? Well, what is a counselling tutor? First of all, I'm delighted to be a guest on your show. So important. Um, counselling tutor, well, the short answer is counselling tutor is a membership site for students. And our mission statement is we help students fulfil their learning ambitions by decoding the theory and putting it into plain English. That's our, our mission statement and our value statement. Okay. As, as part of that, as you said, we started off with a YouTube channel, but now counsellingtutor.com um, is a vibrant community. We've got 14,000 people on our Facebook page, and we've got many thousands of people who use our, our services, our website, um, the CSR study resource. So, yeah, we're very much in the online domain, Kath. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the, the topic of today is about um, people having a social media presence, um, particularly, again, as, as this podcast is going out, there is a, um, a slant towards counsellors and psychotherapists, mainly because of conversations um, I've had over at um, the Manchester Institute where you were, Rory, at the AGM, and really about this lack of knowledge about having a social media presence. So to begin with, I've heard 14,000 people, you know, frequenting their Facebook website. So this is, this is obviously a domain where there is the possibility of X number of people seeing the posts that you put up there. So if we just start moving into the, the kinds of conversation that we're going to have today, Rory, which um, what would you say is one of the the issues, factors, whatever way you want to phrase this, for trainees and qualified counsellors who are using social media and Facebook, for, in, in your opinion? Well, I think the big thing today is, is that we're more findable than ever. When I started training um, in 2000, when I first took those you know, baby steps into doing an introduction to counselling courses, it was then, um, I was the only person who had a mobile phone which was like a brick, and an email address, and people would sit and say to me during the coffee break, this internet, what, what's that about then? Yeah. What can you do on the internet? And look where we are now. And I think the main challenge that, that real that therapists, trainees, and qualified colleagues have is just how much information they give away about themselves, their activities, whether they know it or not. Yeah. And the, yeah. it's the not that's the most concerning, I think, from from my perspective. Yeah, and I'm I'm sure um, some of your listeners um, will have seen my name cropping up all over Counselling Tutor um, and a few other Facebook pages uh, because I do I do tend to challenge a lot of this information. So um, I think let's let's start with the information that counsellors give away. So um, obviously we might start with the profile picture and the photographs, but also. Um, what, what else do you think counsellors need to know about what it is they're giving away about their, their profile and themselves? Well, <clears throat> let's just think about how the internet and how, how social media is used now. 
I I'm we have a podcast, Counselor Tutor Podcast, which of course you've you've we've we've spoken about you many times, myself and my business partner Ken, the work you the great work you're doing. Um, and one of the things that we that we know and I know from the work I do is that I'm searched for about fifty times a month. In fact, one came up the other day, is Rory Lee's Oaks married? Oh someone had actually <laughs> someone had actually searched that. Um, and that's and I was really pleased that you won't find anything about my my personal life on the internet. <clears throat> when I started in 2011 and put a, a social media profile together for what became counselling tutor, yeah. I was very very careful about what I what I put on, and I still am very careful of what I put on. Let's talk about the profile picture. I've seen people in bikinis. Yeah. Um, both men and women <laughs> i've seen um people uh, uh, there's one particular one where i saw a male therapist who, who looked like he was doing a charles atlas situation um political slogans which yep. um uh inappropriate language for professionals to be be broadcasting i mean we all you know i think we all have our have our patois shall we say, yeah. uh, non, when we're not in a professional setting. But when you're in a professional setting, you need to pr promote a professional presence. And so that's just the, the pictures. Yes. So vote this, vote that. During, during the referendum uh, over here in the UK when we had Brexit, quite clearly people were putting, nailing their colours to the mast. Absolutely not appropriate if you're working with clients who may have a counterpoint of view. Yeah, yeah, and obviously we've we've discussed this at great lengths in many yeah. of the conferences, and um, yeah. Uh, yeah, and my my rants and raves about kind of what's happening at the moment, and almost the the it's the naivete of of counsellors and psychotherapists putting putting things out on social media, but not understand. Actually, I'm going to take that to a bigger remit. I'm going to say professionals putting out um, their possibly their profile pictures on Facebook and also the, the what they leave their account open to, that actually that, that leaves these kind of issues available, that people may, may be able to contest, um, I disagree with your point of view. Um, and obviously for counsellors and psychotherapists, we call this self-disclosure. So Absolutely. there's something about what, what we are letting clients know before they come to meet us. Absolutely. And you, I couldn't think of anything worse than a client <clears throat> saying to me, um, you know, maybe saying, well, I saw your political views because the therapeutic alliance is supposed to be as, as, as far as it can be value free. You know, I'm a, I come from a person centered perspective about unconditional positive regard. It's a, it's an idea that echoes through a lot of therapies about, you know, not judging and clients may very well feel judged, you know, certainly with the Brexit debate, People putting up very, very strong messages, therapists, very strong messages on their profile picture, clearly broadcasting out what their view is. Yep. Well, one of, one of the things to um, kind of talk about is actually I have um, a picture up on my profile that is um, currently, it's of the brain with my uh, army badge on it from the corps that I used to be in. Mm. So that's, bit, that's been an image that I used. Um, it was actually taken for a presentation that I gave on, on brains and so on. Mm. Obviously, it's my profile picture, which highlights that I'm uh, X-Forces. 
So this mm. is one of the things. It's also in the public domain that I have declared that I am ex-forces mm. because I'm part of the Longboat Home, which mm. is a service which provides thera- uh, low-cost therapy to serving and ex-servicemen. So, mm. so there's, there's a reason why my profile picture is a reflection of who I am, but also it's part of my identity as a counsellor. So obviously there's a lot of thought goes into um, a lot of my profile pictures and things that are in the public domain. Um, but there's something about um, what, what counsellors, what professionals are, are behaving like um, outside of just this profile picture. So maybe, maybe we can talk about what, what we've seen on Counselling Tutor page, um, which is actually replicated across many, many pages with counsellors and psychotherapists. So obviously this has been something I've tackled with you and with admin. Sure. Well, yeah, in terms of counselling tutor, we, we have a large amount of, um, you know, non-qualified colleagues, you know, um, junior colleagues, apprentices, for mm-hmm. want of a better word. And, you know, it's, it's up to our, the more senior, more senior practitioners to show a very positive guiding hand in every aspect of, of, of practice work, as you would if you were face-to-face with mm. um, a, an apprentice therapist. You, you would be modelling good practice and maybe having a, a respectful but quiet word if there was something that you were concerned about. And we have had time to time um, people posting client presentations, yep. so much so that you could... Um, you could you could almost identify the client, and the danger, of course, here is Kath, is that you know we know that clients follow their therapists. I'll try and find out about them. We're an enigma. We we know all about the client. The client knows a little little about us. And in the past, that's how it would have stayed. But now, you know, I know I've got I've got the metrics that show me who looks for me. Not exactly who looks for me, but that I'm looked for. Yeah. You know, and um, of course they're going to be interested in this. And now clients have the tools to fulfil that interest. Yeah. yeah. So we've had people talking about, and we've also had quite kind of worrying things like I'm working with a client and I'm getting nowhere. And um, I wonder if anybody could help me. The idea, the concept that you could ask a Facebook group uh, about clinical competencies is... Um, a little bit misjudged in my view. Um, you know, I'm part of a car forum for the car I own, and I sometimes say, well, what about this? I wouldn't dream of taking anybody's view on face value because I don't know who I'm talking to. Yeah. You know, and I, I can share one uh, instance where we had someone who was very vocal about one of our qualified uh, colleagues on counselling tutor and was making quite serious allegations. Mm-hmm. Um, and we wrote to him and said, you know, you, we, we private messaged him and said, you know, please don't do that. And he said, oh, you know, he said, uh, I don't know, you, you can't, it's impossible to find details out about people. And within about five minutes, in the public domain, I, I, I wrote back to him with where he lived, a picture of his house, a picture of the inside of his house, how much his house cost, where he worked, and where he'd bought his bicycle from. Yeah. We didn't hear too much back. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. And, and, and you know that, that this is one of the things I do for research purposes is quite yeah. often um, on some of the pages when I see clients being spoken about, and, and for those listening, this is now in inverted commas, when it's a client or a friend. Mm. And actually, uh, I, and I've discussed this with you, is that I've been able to trace who that, who that therapist is, mm. who the client is, because they sometimes may not identify who the client is, 
but actually they do have identifying features about the place they work, the days they work, yeah. the clinic they're at. Um, and I've, I've been able to then find out information about the clinic because actually this is one of the things is everything is hyper-connected. Hmm. So I, I'm just kind of, um, again, going off on a tangent, which is something I'm, I'm sure you know I do. Um, yes. The idea of professionalism. So yeah. I'm, I'm thinking things here for those that are um, teachers if they haven't signed off by now because I'm talking about counselors and therapists actually they have um, this this idea that they have to keep themselves private and that um, you know they can't be found by their their mm. child, children pupils students yeah, yeah. and actually mm. that's a fallacy as well so I'm thinking about this this is about professionalism in, in the social domain yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, my former job before I went full-time with counselling tutor was I was senior lecturer. And um, occasionally I'd have quiet words with colleagues who'd posted things on their Facebook page. And one colleague I'd say was absolutely appalled. They, they posted a, a picture. It appeared to be from a military organisation about looking after veterans and putting them first and, mm -hmm. you know, this kind of um, rhetoric. And once I looked at it, because I'm, I'm, I'm quite kind of politically aware, I realised that this wasn't a military page. This was a link to a far right page, which yeah. one, one click away from the kind of, you know, alt-right rhetoric that we're hearing about um, yeah. people of colour and people of, uh, people of, uh, of faith. Um, incredibly dangerous for a professional. Absolutely incredibly dangerous. Yeah. Uh, and the whole thing here was no malicious intent stated. This was just someone who who seen the picture. It linked into their value ecosystem. Had put it on their Facebook page. I think I think their father or brother may have been in the army. But when I pointed it out, were horrified. Absolutely horrified. It's not what was on there. It was what other people thought it would represent. Yeah. Because you, on social media, the big thing is. You don't have the chance to put your point of view. You're judged entirely by your timeline. Uh, yeah, yeah. And obviously, um, uh, I'm just thinking of the term clickbait, which may, mm. may mean nothing to um, some of the listeners at the moment. But this is where, um, and I'm thinking these kinds of links. So you might share a post that looks like it's got a, um, a, a, I don't know, let's say a generic message about mm. the United Kingdom and being British. Um, but yeah, it's linked to something which is actually quite sinister. But through doing that, you're more likely to receive more information about those groups. Mm. Yeah. <clears throat> and also, yes, and also you, you may come to the attention of a lot of other people um, who, who have seen that and then, and then mistakenly associate you with that kind of attitude. And again, you know, what will clients think? You know, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And, and this is this is where it gets tangled up in um, the media, isn't it? So I'm thinking about the teacher who went for a night out, was photographed by her friends. Um, so I am just going to add this in in a second. Was photographed by her friends, uh, pole dancing or whatever it was, drinking vodka. And that ended up on uh, on Facebook where she was tagged in it. And it was actually the friends of friends that could see it. So um in in my history of uh, in trading, I actually took a photograph of something and put it up onto Facebook. Now, my settings for my photographs, apart from the ones I don't mind the public seeing, i.e. the ones that I allow up um, on, uh, for example, profile pictures or whatever, I'd actually got all of my settings set to me 
but because I tagged people in it, it meant that friends and family of those, those accounts. So one of the things that I regularly do teach about is actually, it's not your account that you have to take into mind. Mm. It's everybody else on your friends list who might have different settings, who may tag you in things. And um, one of the things I do regularly present on is, is if you are out in the public domain attending conferences, CPD, your the, the likelihood of your picture profile whatever it is appearing to be associated with that cpd mm. or the conference may well appear on the internet so that there's something about um the internet is a public domain it's not your living room you're not having a conversation with a colleague um and i'm just thinking about this is what we've actually been witnessing is that, that what you're talking about are the kinds of conversations that we see mm. you know the arguing um the the at times possible slander libelous behavior and and anger Mm. anger that happens yeah i mean people people use social media now as an instant vent so Mm. you know we we see quite a lot of people um venting their spleen for want of a better word on social media about a a variety of topics it could be politics it could be sport it could be gender equality issues. And sometimes, as people are liable to do when they're, when they're kind of venting their spleen, they, are, they may not be very much filtering what they're putting. And even, even the most precise written word is open to misinterpretation, mm. um, which, is, which is difficult. And I'd also like to say something about your friends. Um, you know, the, there was a, a habit a few years ago of trying to get as many friends as possible yeah. Um, onto your Facebook page. I know people have had thousands. I can't believe that anybody would have thousands of friends. Um, and of course, all you need to do, all it needs to do is for one of your friends to transgress the law or um, do something and you could be guilty by association. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I'm just thinking about if you, if you could suggest um, kind of a set of, I don't know, ethical principles or, um, maybe something that needs to be happening for the the trainees that are coming through now, because obviously most of the trainees will be um, slightly younger. You know, it's, it's very rare that you see 50 year old people coming in for training. Now it does tend to be the younger generation. What would you suggest that? I'd suggest they visualize maybe sitting in a cafe, having a cup of tea. One of my favorites is people. Well, that's one of the things you'll see a lot with me. (laughs) Cup of tea. That isn't, that is any, that isn't any secrets. Um, and someone coming up to them and they've never known, who then recounts to them the most intimate parts of their life. How would that feel? You're sat in the cafe, having a cup of tea, maybe having a cup of coffee. Someone you've never met before sits and says, are you, i use the word Emma, are you Emma? Oh, I know what you do. I know everything about, how would it feel? And it would feel very uncomfortable. Yet, that is what people do on their social media page. Yeah. Um, I would recommend that people didn't have them quite personally. If you want to set up a professional business page, that's great. But a social media page, I think in this world, if you're a professional, um, I would think long and hard about it. My my personal page is locked down. I think I've got one friend on it. Um, and there's I never use my personal Facebook page. There's okay. nothing on it. If anybody broke in, they'd be sorely disappointed. <laughs> and when I when I put my professional face on, counselling tutor or the, you know, the, the the Twitter feed on the VLE or whatever I do, I'm very thoughtful of 
what I, I, I present as pretty much as much as I would in the therapy room. Yeah. And, uh, as a professional. And that's it. You know, you won't find, um, I suppose if you dig deep enough, you'll probably find anything, but it'd be very difficult to find very much about me or in my family. Yeah. Yeah. And, and actually you've mentioned their Twitter. So we, we have kind of focused a little bit here on, on Facebook, but there's something to be said about um, the other social media platforms mm-hmm. and um, how quick, in, in fact, what I'm thinking might be um, of interest is how, how the different platforms work for some of the uh, some of the the people on counselling tutor because they may not be aware uh, of what the different types of communication are but also how how clients can find out information about you from that um, and I'm also thinking about that talk that I did with geotagging however I will say that the um, the idea that you've presented Rory of somebody coming and sitting next to you in a cafe is one of the videos I used on my training and it's right. the one I've referenced in my book um, of a social media experiment where um, uh, Jack, Jack Vale, so this is a 2012 video, 2011, 2012 video, where he actually approaches people in America and says, hey, are you, uh, and just starts to talk about their dog, what they had for lunch, where they work, and this information is actually out in the, the public domain through the platform that you use, something called geotagging. Um, so again, I'm kind of thinking about the the platforms that that counsellors are using so i just um and, and obviously teachers and other professionals because this isn't specifically for counsellors yeah yeah well yeah so in his twitter which is everything you can say in 140 characters soon to be 280 i think yeah gonna... i've been privileged with 280 280 <laughs> um and you know so that's that's a kind of social media thing you could do hashtags which effectively you put a hashtag um, keyboard uh, marker and then whatever the word is so hashtag t and if you hit on the hashtag t you'll find there'll be thousands of people tweeting about t yeah. um, and t related issues or probably not because people put hashtags in totally not related um, and then we have youtube of course which is basically a video platform where people can make videos um, and i think that's poss- possibly quite a dangerous one because you know with video content you can capture it there's there's plenty of free plugins and free websites mm-hmm. where you can just type in the link to the video and download it yep and once you've got that raw video then you can publish it anywhere yeah yeah you know so that's that's quite a danger, dangerous one obviously things like snapchat and snap videos Anything really where you can you can put your voice into the world or, or image into the world is something that needs to be thought about in in great detail from a professional point of view. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and not not that I'm omitting myself from this. Um, there is something about um, I know you have quite a big social media profile in relation to counselling tutor. Yeah, yeah. I have. I obviously have this social media profile that relates to me and this this particular role in in looking at cyber trauma and the issues that are arising for professionals and and for young people because I'm really yeah. interested in um, it's it's almost classed as cyber psychology but I'm I'm in the realm of cyber psychotherapy and the impact of it um, and obviously I'm working with clients who do see things and I you know this is what we've been talking about when when I do challenge people on on the uh, on on some of the Facebook pages. Um, but I've also witnessed, you know, kind of really um, d- 
debatable professional behaviour between um, between obviously professionals on on social media platforms, which again leaves me sat thinking, okay, so if this is your if this is your professional role, would you really want people witnessing this? And I almost witnessed it, like um, on EastEnders, two people arguing outside the house, yeah. and, and the rest of us are sat watching almost a la goggle box i think it is that it's called isn't it on telly um yes or the real housewives of psychotherapy oh you know i'm a psychotherapist get me out of here or any of the other kind of um social platforms where it's engineered to make people argue and show them not perhaps in the best light yeah and yes i've 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 witnessed some um quite um interesting debates between professionals Um, where I thought, first of all, I thought, would you say that to someone's face? Yeah. Probably not. And a, a, a kind of overwhelming, well, what's all that about then? Yeah. You know, what's, what's all that about? What, why, what is it driving you? And I think, it's, I think it's the nature of how we interface. I, I told you my history of, of working with the internet and computers, but I think, you know, the children, there are people born now that never live without the internet. And it's that, there's no hinterland, there's no border now for, for younger people, especially between corporeal um, uh, relationships, which is flesh and bone and face to face, and what we're doing now, which is virtual. There's no, there's, there's no boundary at all. Yeah, well, as, as I was talking to somebody yesterday, actually, it, the brain d- cannot differentiate between virtual and corporeal. And, and that's one of the issues is we know through a lot of the uh, um, research that's been done using fMRI scans, that it's, it's the same areas of the brain and how, how you actually interpret things, which is why we've kind of got this. Um, so I'm going to quickly scan over that there's something called the disinhibition effect, which is what I, what I think is underpinning mm. a lot of this reactive behavior that, that we do see. Um, and also that in the moment of being out having a social life and forgetting, you know, particularly for those that, that go out and drink, that this could end up on social media. So there's almost that, what, well, what happens if this ends up on social media and how do, I, how do I protect my identity as a professional, but also how do I also have an identity as an individual on social media? Mm-hmm. And it's, it's kind of weighing up, um, would you be prepared? Um, so I'm about to take part in a piece of research that's discussing this because obviously it has happened with me having a big profile. Um, the, the, the clients will come in and talk to you about, um, I saw, for example, I saw you on the telecast and I say, I know, but I, I do tend to warn my clients beforehand, you know, just to let you know, you might see me on TV. And if you do, it's not really up for discussion because the reason I'm doing that is about the cyber stuff. And that's not why we're here. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and for the children, it can be quite an interesting moment because quite often they're like, why were you on the telecast when you're supposed to live in, you know, this is where the children think I live here because it's yes. a house. It's, um, it's, it's very interesting. So there's something about, um, I'm aware of, of kind of what, what is happening for me in the, the two roles that I, I hold yeah. and how I keep them separate. But also it is in all of my contracts that I do have this social media profile and that I won't engage with clients. Um, and that, that's something that will be coming out in another, another podcast, um, because we haven't covered Skype here today. Uh, and the reason no. I'm interviewing, uh, I'm going to get Kate Anthony on for that, because if I'm going to get anybody on to talk about why people counselors should not be using Skype and I won't start talking in capitals, I can promise you that right now. Um, <laughs> but actually we need to stop using Skype. 
it's, yeah, it's yeah. not it's not um it's not a safe platform and and obviously i'll get kate to go through that in in her yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so i'm i'm just looking at the time rory for for um and i didn't set my timer going so i've got no idea whether we've been going 25 minutes or whatever we've been going about half an hour about to my half an hour? yeah right. yeah Okay. Is there anything else you want to add on to this? Um, I'm aware that we've kind of gone backwards and forwards a yeah. bit. Well, I would, I would, I would say, you know, if there's a takeaway for any professional listening, is that almost certainly those people you interface with, some of them will try and find out more about you. It's, it's to some extent, it's human nature. Mm. And you know, what I would do is, is I would do that job for them. I would just go to a computer, type in your name, see how much you can find about yourself. Um, and it, it's surprising that I, I do it regularly. It might sound egocentric, you know, Googling your own name, but I Google it just to see what's there because with social media platforms and, and anything I might have signed up to in the past, security settings sometimes change. Yeah. You know, I found a lovely message a few months ago to, to someone in Ireland. They asked me a piece of theory long before I had the technology I'm using now in the studio here, I just recorded it um, onto um, SoundCloud mm. and sent it. And um, a, a couple of years ago, I did a search for my name and found a reply to Fred in uh, on Google. And uh, it wasn't, it was, all it was was me saying, well, this is how this works and that. But I had no idea whatsoever that mm. when I signed up for SoundCloud that it would be in the public domain. And since then, it's, he's long since got the information. I've took that down now. But it's still a searchable link. It, it didn't yeah. disappear. Yeah. I, I don't think it's egotistical at all, no. Rory. In fact, I was saying at the weekend, I was um, presenting at the weekend, and I asked the psychotherapists in the room, how many of you Google yourself? And mm. it's quite surprising that people almost looked at me as if to say, how narcissistic, Kath. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no. But... It, it, it is one of the things, um, and it does come out, this does sound narcissistic now, but when, when Google phoned me up and said, can we help you with your ratings? I say, just type my name in. And yeah. Like, uh, yeah. Okay, Kath. Yeah. Because, yeah. uh, you know, the first 12, 13 hits are, are about this stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it is interesting. But also the point that I made um, at these conferences is where I've been on online events or I've spoken to you over something. Yeah. Actually, my picture gets associated with other people who are also professionals who may not know they're now associated with my picture. And, uh, yeah. and it's all about the kinds of connections that we have. And it's just made me think of one point to note for some of counselors is when you are in a group or a Facebook page on Facebook, it is not private. So if you've got likes or groups that you're in, even when they're closed down, because uh, a number of sites or pages I've, I've been added into, and they've said, please, you know, for example, please fill this form out and prove that you're a psychotherapist or prove that you're a counsellor. And I think, yeah, there might be 20 of us in this group who have told total fibs mm. and are not actually counsellors, but are here for voyeuristic or um, sinister yeah. reasons. So, okay. Yeah. I mean, at King Council Institute, we have a, a moderation team, three, a three-person moderation team, soon to be four, who moderate virtually 24 hours a day. But I'll tell you the power of social media, because I, I was in um, London attending a conference not related to um, counselling per se, and I was stood, one of the delegates sidled up to me with a big grin on his face. I'd never seen this guy before, and he said, are you Rory? And I said, yeah. And he said, I follow you on your Facebook page. And it's like, oh, thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
and and it, that's the kind of surprise I was I was giving a, a lecture in um, in Derry, and I landed at uh, Derry Airport, and uh, I got I got mobbed by a fan at the airport. Someone rushed up to me and said, "You Rory," and I went, "Yeah." So you know, don't underestimate the reach. Is what I'd say. Yeah, absolutely. I know, I know clients do search for us. Um, and I'm going to leave a question in the air for people. That, is it ethical for you to search your client? <laughs> okay, yes. I know there's a research article on it, so I'm just going to leave that there. Um, so I think what I'll do is bring this to a close for now. Um, so first of all, Rory Lees Oaks, thank you very much for joining us. You're welcome. Okay. And for those of you listening, okay, I'm now going to start doing the advertising. Please don't forget to go to iTunes, rate, subscribe, and share this podcast. And that way people do get to find out about it. I will be posting it on the, the social media sites, Rory, as we've discussed. Um, so any questions, feel free to contact Rory or myself. And I look forward to speaking to you next time. Okay. Yep. See you later. Bye-bye.